What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Got our two analysts back on. Seems like it's been a while. We were just at the Panthers versus Vikings games a couple of weeks back. But always good to have the, the Methodist University Monarchs back in town. Rashawn Green. Rashawn, say what's up to the people. What's up? What's going on, Matt? Yo, hey, and then also got my other analysts on. I think Thomas been, yeah, Thomas been on a little bit more episodes. Thomas Hemingway. Thomas, what's going on? See what's going on, everybody. It feels good to be back. All right, Thomas. Happy to have you back. So no, <laughs> <laughs> without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins Cause we've done this before so you come on in Make yourself at my home, tell me where you've been Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this Sometimes you gotta stay in And you know where I live Yeah, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay All right, fellas, uh, before we get too much into the whole spiel, how's the Methodist football season been going? Yeah, the, the season been going well for us. We, um, we really been, we just improving as a, as a team, um, just improving the culture overall. I mean, when I came in, in 2019, I think uh, Rashawn and them were coming on what, uh, what, what? You remember your record in 2018? I want to say it was five and five or six and four. Yeah. Something yeah, like that. I, it wasn't, I think y'all did. We might have been at right at five hundred, right above it. We was, yeah. or right under it. Matter of fact. Yeah, they, I, yeah, I think they were right under five hundred when I came uh, twenty nineteen or the season before. And right now we're sitting at uh, five and two. Um, we had a game canceled earlier in the year because of COVID and all that. But um, we did. We, uh, you know, off one of the, the probably best starts the the university has seen. You know, in, in years, you know, if not decades. Um, we're happy to see that. I always see the clip is usually I was going to try to get up there, but boy, be working on the weekend. But I definitely see the Instagram account and I see the wins about every week. I like, it seems like them boys on a roll. So I wish y'all much continued success. And I guess we go ahead and get into the episode here. Got to start off with the local team. Uh, the University of South Carolina had a bye this past weekend, and they this weekend coming, so I guess they had a bye uh, for Halloween. But they got Florida this week, Florida Gators. I'm not sure is that is that game gonna be in Columbia or is that game gonna be in Gainesville? I, I want to say, oh yeah, I, I want to say it was in Gainesville last year, so I think it's gonna be in Columbia. Yeah, so that I game think it might be a night game. Matter of fact. It is. It's seven thirty, and I was also gonna. I was also wondering, is it gonna be like CBS? But if it's seven thirty, it's got to be on uh, one of the ESPN. Probably might even yeah. be SEC Network. Now that I think about it, probably so. Yeah, probably so. But uh, Thomas, what are your predictions? You think the Gamecocks gonna be able to get the win and a much needed win for the program, uh, as far as like building that momentum, probably heading more into next year at this point, or do you think the Florida will continue? Will will do what we're expecting them to do? Um, honestly, it's it, it's kind of tough. Uh, just because Carolina's been kind of, well, and I want to say up and down because the record, you know, just kind of reflects it's been a little down. Um, but, I mean, you know, Florida's just coming off a, a big loss to Georgia, bad, a real bad loss. They got the great beat off of um, But, you know, you could say the uh, same thing about Carolina. Carolina, uh, who did they uh, just play in that last game? 
They had a buy this past week. Yeah, I know they had a buy this past week. Hold on, let me look it up for you real quick. The, they had just played AM or they lost. AM, yeah, AM, yeah, 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 beat the fool out of Carolina. <laughs> um, so, you know, both teams coming off a big loss. Um, I know in Columbia, the, 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 the fans are getting real, um, you know, impatient with Beamer. You know, they were hearing all about all this Beamer ball that's supposed to come in, you know, turn the program around. Yeah. Me, personally, I mean, you know, just us being involved in football, we understand that it's, you know, run one building a day. It's, it's never going to be an overnight uh, deal with that football thing. Yeah. Um, so I say all that to just say I don't know what the energy is like in Columbia right now um, with the team. Um, they can either be looking to, to come out and, you know, prove a point against Florida or, you know, like I said, that, that bad loss against a and can, you know, trickle over into to this week's game and affect them there. Um, but honestly, um, you know, Williams-Rice is always a, a good environment um, for Carolina. It's a tough environment for opposing teams, you know, especially night games. So I definitely think they're going to come out um, with some kind of energy uh, looking to make up for that bad performance against a and But I, I, I still got Florida pulling it out in the end just, just based on pure talent. Um, Especially at that firepower, they got an offense with that two quarterback system, um, two mobile quarterbacks at that. So I think um, it'll be it'll be a pretty good game, like I said, just because of the environment Florida's coming into. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I think Florida end up putting it out anyway. Yeah, well, I'm reporting live from Columbia, South Carolina. The fans are definitely agitated at this point. <laughs> it's so funny. I look at the Spurs Up show a lot of times. And then uh, it's just very much so, okay, guys, we're probably not going to win this week. Let's be honest. But uh, let's just look at some positives. And, and they try to find whatever they have you. So I agree with you, Thomas. I got Florida getting the win here. Um, they'll, and then they'll head back to Gainesville Saturday night. You know, I don't, you know, honestly, and this might be like an unpopular take, but I really don't know how much schools like look forward to beating South Carolina these days. It's just like the program isn't at a point is at a point right now where you barely beat Vanderbilt. So when you beat South Carolina, it's definitely like, yeah, we won the game, but it's not on some, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's go parade around towns like we're supposed to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. South Carolina definitely turned into one of them schools where it's like, you see that game on the schedule, it's like, okay, that's, that's kind of a gimme game. We, we're supposed to win now. Hey, let, let's get that as homecoming, you know. But, uh, <laughs> hey, we're going to keep moving here. We're going to go to Clemson, who – beat Florida State with a final score of 30 to 20. And Clemson fans have kind of had to get to the point where they're accepting that you're not going to blow out teams every uh, game like you've done in years past. But my question, we're not going to go into all the stats of the game. Clemson won. Keep it moving. 30-20. But what do y'all think that, I guess I'll direct this to you, Sean. that ACC championship game is going to look like in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium, without Clemson? Because it's been Clemson for so long. Uh, Honestly, what's going on so far? Uh, I'm really liking Pitt on that other side. I know they're not on the same side with Clemson, but I'm I'm liking Pitt versus uh right now it's looking like Wake Forest is a team to beat on the same side as Clemson and um NC State is making a good run for us. So so really, uh, I'm just glad to not see Clemson. Clemson been skating by with a little weak schedule that they've been going with every year, and I'm I'm happy to see them not in this year. I'm glad to see one of them other dog teams is, is in there ready to fight for it. Hey, y'all, for full disclosure, me, Thomas, and Hunter used to bet, because at this point in time in middle school, I was a huge Clemson fan. And Thomas and Hunter <laughs> used to parade around to me all day and night about how weak that Clemson schedule was. Back then, Jalen Ramsey was at Florida State. The conference was a little bit better. And Lamar, no, Lamar came whenever. Yeah, Lamar 
jumped on the scene when I was a senior in high school, I remember. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so Thomas and Hunter used to get at my neck about that. So the fact that Ray Sean brought that up, that we appreciate you. Isn't it crazy to see that Wake Forest is ranked number 10 team in the country? They're undefeated. They're leading the ACC Atlantic. Because, you know, it used to be a joke. You know, Wake Forest ACC championships, that's how weak Clemson schedule is. It's like, ha that's real funny. But, like, that could happen this year. Uh, their quarterback, I want to say his name is Sam Hartman. I want to say mm-hmm. that's his name. He's one of Quincy Avery guys, uh, QB takeover. I was about to say QB country, but QB takeover. So, and they always kind of hype him up. But, you know, they hype up a lot of quarterbacks. But, now nah, he's definitely getting the job done there in Wake Forest and Winston-Salem. Excited to see them moving forward. We're going to move to the SEC where Georgia took care of business against Florida with the final score of 34 to 7. Thomas, how do- Thomas, how dominant do you think Georgia's been this season from your perspective? Um, anytime you got a, a defense only allowing only allowing like two, three touchdowns, you know, throughout the season and you're, you know, just over the halfway point, that's, you know, that's about as dominant as you can get right there. Um, especially playing in uh, you know, one of the best conferences. You know, in football, the SEC ain't just, you know, a clear favorite as far as this conference anymore. But, uh, you know, when you're in arguably the best conference in the, in the country doing that, that's like a, a different type of dominance. Um, but, you know, it's it's almost, um, you know, Georgia's kind of, I don't want to say they've been doing that, but, you know, when you're in a conference with Bama and LSU and defense like that, it kind of gets overshadowed. But, you know, if you've kind of been paying attention to SEC ball, Georgia having a, a great defense really ain't nothing new. So yeah, that's real. I don't want to say I'm, you know, surprised by it, but yeah, they 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 definitely dominant. And then the fact that the leader of that defense, whenever they've been so dominant at Alabama, was Kirby Smart, and now that he's the Georgia head coach, we should have yeah. seen this one coming. Uh, but I guess I want to ask both of y'all because it's pretty much decided almost that you're going to probably get Alabama versus Georgia in the SEC championship game. And this is kind of early. We still got about a month because that game's usually like around December the 3rd. But do y'all think that Alabama probably has the head up here? Or do y'all think Georgia probably will in the SEC championship game? Um, honestly, I, I don't know if Georgia have any, you know, guys injured on offense. But defensively, I think uh, Georgia can handle Alabama. You know, Alabama does, in my opinion, you know, have a wide receiver university right now. And uh, that quarterback that they have is, is looking real, real good right now. So um, it all comes down to if Georgia can, you know, hold on on defense and if they're able to score offense. But by the looks of it, I want to go with I want to go with Georgia, but I don't want to count Nick Saban. I don't think Nick Saban will go down without a fight like that. I don't think Nick Saban will lose two games in one season, not like that. Yes, yeah. I, I was about to say that. That's my thing. Is like, Bama. It's almost like no matter how Bama's doing. It's, it's kind of like the, the LeBron effect, you know, in basketball. It's like no matter how bad LeBron's team is doing, it's, it's, it's almost like you never want to bet against them. It's kind of the same feel with Bama. It's like as long as they got saving, you know, it's like they always got a dog in the fight. Um, and, I mean, you know, they had their one little slip up against AM and earlier in the season. But like Ray Sean said, that, that receiving core they got out of their name is really just that whole offense. Um, you know, how that factory is out there. They just, you know, bring them in and push them right back out. Uh, so, yeah, I, honestly, my pick, I, I think I got to go with Bama, getting it done in the end, just based on talent and, and that coaching experience. Um, and and even, the, even the young guys on Bama team, they, they've been, you know, under those bright lights before, been in those big games before. Georgia is always, you know, up there competing, but, I mean, you know, they last time they were in the playoffs in 2017, 
Um, so most of those guys, you know, from, from that team are weeded out. Uh, so, I mean, that, that, that's why I think I, I could see Bama pulling it out in the end. But it'll, it'll definitely, you know, I mean, it honestly really could be a toss up. Could you imagine Nick Saban after going all these years without losing his assistance loses to two of them in the in the same year? Mm-hmm. You know he lost to Jimbo and Jimbo was the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach when at LSU yeah. during that time. And and then it's funny that Will Muschamp was the defensive coordinator. Nobody talks about that though. And then <laughs> on the back, <laughs> on the back end, Kirby Smart. We just talked about that. I, I, it's tough for me. I would like to see Georgia take that spot. I really want to see what Georgia looks like if Pickens is able to get back this year. I know he did have that injury, I think the torn ACL in spring practice, and we're still waiting to see if he's going to be able to make a recovery, and if he does, what kind of impact. But definitely something to watch. And, and, Was and still, um, has the transfer from LSU got on the field yet? I don't think he has either. The tight end? Yeah, the tight end. I don't think he's – because I know they were supposed to have him and then the tight end they had last year. Coming back. I can't remember. I said, don't they have, like, two good tight ends? Two yeah. big guys out there. Washington, I think, is one of their names. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy y'all are talking about is Eric Gilbert. I've talked about him yeah. so much in this podcast. Heading into the season, Fred, I know his name. And I think he had been, like, dismissed with the team. But it was, like, on some he can come back once he does the stuff that we ask him to do. But uh, yeah, because he was like one of the top tight ends coming out of the country two years ago. Well, like a year ago, played last year at LSU, transferred in to Georgia. And so when they get all these targets back going, first of all, but I do want to mention this. This has been crazy for their starter, JT Daniels. It's literally like Stetson is doing all the work. And JT Daniels is going to go play in the playoff. He's going to win the, and if they're able to win the championship, like great year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. he's been hurt, like, every week. You see Stetson Bennett puts it together. Stetson Bennett puts it together. I don't know what JT's injury is. Probably should have looked that up before we got on a day. But uh, <laughs> that's for y'all to Google. You got some homework. We'll keep moving. We're going to go to the Big Ten. We're all, and, the Logan, and then y'all listen to this podcast, the people who are listening. One thing that's really nice about, like, this being my podcast is, like, I could just move past the subject I want to. You know, if I was on the radio, I might would have had to fully explain that. But I'm like, I didn't do the research. We're going to keep it moving. But, uh, we're going to keep going there to Ohio State. We're going to the Big Ten. My Buckeyes, wearing a shirt right now, the Buckeyes. Uh, next year, definitely for Halloween, I got to get me a jersey. Definitely. That was inexcusable this year. I had to put on, like, a soccer jersey. I was like, it's terrible. But Ohio <laughs> State beat Penn State. The final score, 33-24. Penn State always gives Ohio State a run for the money. I was happy to see we were able to get the win. Did y'all see that C.J. Stroud is in, like, the Heisman conversation now? Yeah, I saw that. I mean, it's I, – I, I feel like the – I feel like this year the race is just kind of wide open. Yeah. Being that um, – I mean, you got Georgia who, you know, hadn't lost a game yet. But like you said, they don't have a clear-cut number one quarterback. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's – you know, let's just be honest. The Heisman is kind of quarterback's award. Um, so when you don't have, you know, a, a set number one, you kind of get taken out of the mix for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised to see it wide open just with all the teams taking losses earlier in the year and with two, you know, two of the guys who people were, were claiming as Heisman favorites early in the season, the Rattler and uh, DJ from Clemson. Those yep. two guys getting knocked out of the race just blew it wide open. Um, and, you know, I, I was seeing uh, – Matt Corral early in the year was, you know, became the favorite after Radley had some of his struggles. But then, like I said, Ole Miss took their loss. So that just kind of knocked him out of the race. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to, uh, to see Stroud right back in the mix. 
Yeah, I think the guy that I – if there's ever a year for a defensive player to win it, I would really like to see the big guy from Georgia. Is his name – is that guy – is Jordan Davis? I want to say – I think it might be. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure the big 99. Like That's the guy yeah. I want to see. And if there's ever a year for him to win it, it was kind of like – it would have been really cool if Jabril Peppers, we do a lot of history lessons on this podcast, y'all. But uh, if you remember when Jabril Peppers was having that outstanding year, when that yeah. Michigan, yeah, this would have been a great- Should have won the Heisman. Yes, this would have been a great year. Y'all, we're doing this on Zoom. We just put my hand all up in the camera. But this would have been a great year for him to come through and like potentially win one this year. But it would like to see, you know, one of these defensive players maybe win one this year, but odds are that happen. Matt, <laughs> you got me started now, Matt. Jabril, what, what are the thoughts? Jabril Peppers is my boy. Nah, nah. I, I think he still should have won the Heisman that year. Nah, man, you don't want to get me started. You want to talk about defense player against Steph or the Heisman? You talking to Tyree and Matthew there? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> how could we ever? How could we ever forget y'all, this Thomas? Is the perfect time for him. Thomas used to run around the school. The parking lots and whatever else, yelling the honey badger takes what he wants. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, no, no, take sure. that to the grade to this day. Who, what year was he? Who won the Heisman that year? He went crazy. RG3 in the 2011. <laughs> you can't hate on that, dude. <laughs> yeah, and RG3, in case I didn't hear Thomas, he RG3 out. won it. Y'all see, he's an NFL uh, analyst now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, nah, see, I, look, man, when the, when the time comes, I got my whole argument built up. I'm gonna keep it. Hey, we're gonna keep it in the cards. And Thomas <laughs> definitely, we're gonna rally the week before the Heisman ceremony. As a matter of fact, we want to hear yeah. Thomas and Rayshawn. We also want to hear your thing for why Jabril Preppers should have won that year. Because was that oh, the yeah. year? Was that the year Lamar Jackson won? I wanted, yeah, I wanted, yeah, to I, think so. I think so. Trying to, y'all, you know, they all kind of go in like the things like where you can't yeah, remember. Yeah, that them college years is just. You sound like some old man on them college years. Like that. <laughs> hey, come and they go, right? You know, just common talk. But hey, y'all, just keep moving. Uh, we got, we're going to talk about real quickly, Michigan, falling to Michigan State, final score of 37-33. Michigan running back had a really big, Michigan State running back, I think he had five touchdowns in this ball game. Jim Harbaugh is now 2-12 and 12 against top 10 teams in his Michigan coaching career. Y'all, why can Harbaugh just not win the big game? I, look, like I was talking to Thomas about this earlier. I just think it's like Harborough just can't get over this hump. Yep. He, he's doing what he's supposed to do with all the other games, but when the game that, you know, people actually want to see him win, he just can't get over that hump. And like I was telling Thomas, I just honestly just think Harborough just don't need to be coaching Power 5 football. I feel like he needs to Yikes. go back to the drawing board, go to one of those, you know, teams like – Obviously, you got to go to App State right now with the coach they have now. But want to go to a team like App State or somewhere and and build build your resume back up because he you can't just keep not going over this up because sooner or later you're just gonna be out of a job and nobody's gonna want to hire you because you can't win that important game. Yeah, I, if, if I did, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely um, you know somewhat agree with Ray Sean. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to to, to tell a, a former NFL coach to you know. First, you know, like like we saw Mike Tomlin, already coaches kind of take offense, and, you know, bring out coaching opportunities at the college range when already in the NFL. So, you know, not just to say go coach in college, but to go coach a, 
a lower level college team, you know, most NFL coaches kind of probably take that as disrespect, but it probably would have helped Auburn if he if he started off at a, at a smaller school just so he could kind of understand, um, you know, how, how coaching in, that, in in the college ranks work, um, you know, just get a better feel for it rather than just hopping into a not only a major D1 program in Michigan, but just a, a school like that who has a big history of winning and, and just, you know, a, a lot of tradition going on at that school. So they just, you know, when you go to a school like that coming from the NFL, they just expect you, you know, winning from day one. Um, so it, it, it definitely would have helped him going to a, a lower level school, like Rayshawn said, but, um, you know, kind of got to take a look at, at his recruiting, um, and, and stuff like that as well. Just look at the talent he's bringing in. Um, so, I mean, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure why he can't get over the hump. Cause I mean, we, we see his recruiting tactics. He, he kind of, uh, goes wild with some of his recruiting tactics sometimes, but, I mean, guys like playing for, for former NFL coaches because they feel like they got that connection to the league there. So I'm not sure why he can't get over that. I mean, that's, I mean, maybe maybe he's got to look in the mirror. Maybe something with him, um, and you know how the guy he's bringing in. So. And they say that one thing that's kind of interesting about Michigan is they can, the Michigan fan base kind of compares themselves to Ohio State. So it's like to just see yeah. what Urban Meyer and now see what Ryan Day is doing at Ohio State year after year. It's like, we need to look like that. And the funny thing was Michigan was undefeated, pretty sure into that game. And Ohio State had already taken a loss, Grand Ohio State to play some tough competition. But people still, it was like, oh, I mean, although Ohio State lost, it's still much better than Michigan. Are you crazy? But yeah, so that was definitely something uh, I thought was kind of interesting. I think my Ohio got to mention Ohio State. I'm pretty sure they got Nebraska next week. It's at noon. I think it's going to be on Fox. So you'll have Gus, Gus, and what's my other guy's name? Joel Clatt will be on the call for that one. Uh, before I became Ohio State fan, I never cared about the Big Ten Network or whatnot, but now I do. So there you have it. We're going to keep going to the NFL, though. We're going to first talk about, real briefly, the Panthers getting the win over the Falcons with the final score of 19-13. to 13. Did y'all hear the news that Calvin Ridley's kind of stepping away from football? Yeah, yeah. I, we saw that, Um, you know, well, I, pretty, I guess the news dropped, you know, right in the middle when those games were over. Yeah, that's, that's what we saw. Yeah, I was thinking, how do y'all think, and I guess I'll throw this one at you, Sean. how do you think that affects the receiver, especially with Julio Jones being gone now, and uh, Calvin was kind of looked at as like the guy for the Falcons. Um, I feel like really this opportunity, you know, is is open for for Kyle Pitts at this point. Um, we all see Kyle Pitts as that receiving tight end, and not saying you know it's a good thing that really is not there, but really not being there, somebody's got to be the next guy up. I mean, who's it gonna be? Russell Gage, or we talk about the you know the, the top what top five pick. Pitts was yeah. top eight, something like that. Be one of those picks. I mean, and you looking to, to, to be one of the best tight ends in the league here soon. So I feel like this is a perfect opportunity for him to to show the NFL what he what he's capable of. And you know, there's a lot of guys saying now he's you know not no true tight end because you know blocking in the tackle. I mean, blocking you know hand in the dirt. It's not him. He's more just like a big receiver, and we cover up as a tight end because he he just doesn't you know it's not as quick as a receiver, but I feel like he's a complete tight end. I feel like if he gets the ball enough, then he can be that guy, and Atlanta can see like, okay, you know, really goes down, or if really even gets hurt or something when he comes back, we got somebody else that you know can fill into that spot. No, for sure, it's kind of like being thrown in the fire a little bit earlier than you were expecting to. And it's like, okay, yeah, so that's why we uh, when it got you in the first round. So 
that would definitely be something to watch. And I thought that was crazy. Now, unfortunately, you know, whatever happened with Calvin, but it's like Dog and Julio just left too. So it's Yeah, you hate to see that. Now, whatever he has, you know, going off for personal reasons, you know, I hope everything is good with him. But, yeah, you, you hate to see that when a guy, you know, steps away from the game like that for personal reasons. Yeah, and since I mentioned uh, Julio, this wasn't exactly my order, but we're going to talk about Derrick Henry potentially being done for the season with the Titans. Uh, how do y'all, how much do y'all think, I guess I'll point this at you, Thomas, how much do you think that affects the Titans to not have Derrick Henry, who is their guy? And you see all the fantasy football people on Twitter going crazy right now. So what do you think the impact for that is on that roster? Nah, that's, I mean, that's about as major as it gets right there. I mean, other than, you know, I feel like that's probably a bigger loss than if they were to lose, you know, Tannehill yeah. uh, to an injury. Just because of uh, how much of that offense they, you know, revolves around Derrick Henry. Not even just in the amount of carries he gets, but, you know, when you got a running back like that, that's basically always keeps the passing game wide open because you know they're going to, you know, teams are going to try and stack that box against him. Um, he just automatically, you know, automatically makes the passing game that much better. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's like, this, if you were a Titans fan or in that Titans front office, you were coach. This is literally like your worst nightmare coming true. Um, I mean, I don't want to say worst nightmare because he's not out for the season, but I mean, I, the report I saw said six to ten weeks. I mean, that's pretty much you know up until played all the time. So this is about as bad as it can get. Um, and then he'll the be hurt too. Yeah, yeah, and then also you know, like you said, having to deal with Julio's injuries. Um, we seen AJ Brown kind of being in and out this year. Um, with injuries and, and, you know, with the sickness he had a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm a Titans fan. I'm, I'm worried right now. I'm worried. <laughs> And it's like the defensive coordinators, it, they have to prepare for that team so differently because you got the six foot four, six foot five, 260 pounder that can run past all their, the guys in their secondary. They have to prepare when they're playing against Tennessee so differently. So, like now, it's like, okay, this is almost somewhat relieving. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I was about to say, yeah, you, you know, I cut you off, man. You kind of got to go into that mindset of a defense prepared, prepared against Derrick Henry. You know, you're going against Henry, it's like, you know, lose a sleep, sleep at night. Oh, you know, how are we going to stop this job? But, I mean, honestly, it's like now the biggest threat team who had to worry about is, is AJ Brown. And, you know, like Rashawn and I were talking that next day is against the Rams. And, I mean, the Rams got the perfect formula for that. You got the best corner in the league, best pass rush, you know, in the league. That's like, you know, I think now teams are going to be looking at the Titans, like look at their top, you know, looking at that as not necessarily an easy win, but, you know, a team you can take advantage of since they don't have their best players. Yeah, and you just said the Rams, right? Yep, the Rams. And so to completely go out of order, did y'all see that Von Miller? Yeah, I guess you just said Ooh. Von Miller to the Rams. What? That deep. So now you got Donald, Aaron Donald, got Von Miller. And there's a lot of other big names here, but I'm just missing. Winter, Winter Floyd on the other end. Winter Floyd on the other end. What'd you say? Winter Floyd's on the other end. That's what I thought. Leonard, Leonard Floyd from George, right? Yeah. That's what I don't know. Just talking to somebody about that. Yeah, so Leonard Floyd, and then you got Jalen Ramsey. So a lot of talent out there in LA. How, how much do you think that, how well do you think that impacts the Rams not having Von Miller uh, to on the opposite side of Leonard Floyd on, and on the same defensive line, depending on if you want to consider him a linebacker, defensive end, or rushing or whatever, and having uh, Aaron Donald in the middle. How, how much do you think that torments other offensive lines? Uh. I honestly think, you know, adding Von Miller completes that team because now you don't really have to worry about, well, you know, let's get Aaron Donald, 
you know, away from Leonard Floyd. Let's not try to put them guys, you know, on the same side. Now you you have all three of those guys rushing at your quarterback one time, and that is scary. That is going to be a scary sight. And then you got, you know, guys like Ramsey in the secondary. The guys around Ramsey, they're not bad. And, you know, they, they fit the scheme, but they're already was talked about as the number one defense. You added, you know, a veteran, seasoned vet like Vaughn Miller. If they offense can can get it rolling, it's going to be very, very hard to stop that Rams team because I, I don't see anybody, you know, putting up a lot of points on the Rams, especially now getting Vaughn Miller. And then now you would look at it and it's like, wow, that addition of Stafford, uh, Matthew Stafford from Detroit was great because now you have that offense. The only thing you, you, you see that they lost was Deshaun Jackson, who is being traded. I think he's asked for a trade, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so you lose him, but between Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and the rest of that offense is super explosive. So that NFC West is just a beast right now. We know Russell Wilson is hurt. And Arizona Cardinals took their first loss last on Thursday night against uh, yep. uh, Green Bay, right? Against Green Bay? Yep. Yeah, so – but that NFC West is loaded. The NFC West is what I thought the AFC North was going to be with the Steelers and the Ravens and then, the, the uh, you know, the whole company. And since I'm on the subject, talking about that AFC North, how do the Bengals – beat the Ravens, and then lose to the Jets with no Zach Wilson. I'm open to either one of y'all's opinions. I just want to know. Man, this, I mean, honestly, that is just a prime example of, of like, any given Sunday, like they say. I mean, when you playing in the in the, high, the highest level of football, going against grown men, I mean, it it doesn't matter what the opposing team's record is. Any team can come in and get beat by anybody on yep. any day. So, um, I mean, I can't. Rayshon and I just, uh, I mean, we watched the game live first, um, and then we just went back through and 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 looked at, you know, some of them extending highlights. And it's not like the Bengals were just doing anything egregious, doing anything bad. It's just the Jets were just on it that day. Yeah, it's like the Jets were just, just wanted it more that day. They wanted more than the Bengals. And the Bengals, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like the Bengals played a little flat because they probably went in, you know, we are playing the Jets. Not a well-developed team. Not a well-developed team. Quarterback. quarterback. Not a good receiving core. The Jets is just not a team that, you know, should, be, people. should yeah. be worried about. And I think that's what, you know, their mindset was coming to the game. And those Jets, they were fighting. They weren't the winners. Yeah, and they were able to get that win. And when I look back and saw them, wow, Zach Wilson even play. That's crazy to me. Uh, so hey, shout out to do it, J U T S, just just yeah, you know the whole thing. We're gonna keep moving though. Uh, Thomas, Sunday night football is when your Vikings played, right? Yep. Sunday night against the Cowboys, twenty sixteen. Cowboys get the win. Uh, what did you see from your Vikings, or more importantly, I guess, what did the Cowboys do well to win the game? You know, yeah, I was just about to say, I I didn't see much from my Vikings. <laughs> um, I was I was disappointed, definitely, in my boy uh, Jefferson. I, I don't know who to blame that on him or Kirk. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we we honestly, I I mean, you could say the same thing like Rayshon just said about the Jets. I'm thinking maybe the Vikings might have, you know, that that defense might have took the Cowboys a little lightly since they had um the backup quarterback starting and and, and Cooper Rush. Um, I mean, I hope not because I mean, other than than that, they they still had all their weapons and Zeke, you know, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper. Um, but. I mean, yeah, it's just I, – I think on the on the defense, on the Vikings defense, uh, I think we got to clean up that secondary. Um, 
mainly mainly in and speaking on Basad Breeland and, and, and Cameron Dancer, mainly our cornerbacks. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm just calling them out. It's our cornerback. <laughs> it's our cornerback. Because <laughs> I mean we got solid safeties in Xavier Woods and, and Harrison Smith. I mean, Xavier Woods had a, a great game last night. That was, you know, kind of like his revenge game since that's where we picked him up from with the Cowboys. But um, I mean, yeah, we, you know, ended the game. Amari Cooper had a big catch uh, down the sideline in crunch time. Um and so I, I think that, you know, it's just kind of what came back to haunt us was just, uh, you know, our, our, our defense giving up those big plays at the end. But like I said, your star receiver and, and Justin Jefferson only getting two catches for 21 yards, and, and it's not like they were trying to give him the ball. I mean, Kirk Cousins only threw him the ball four times. So, uh, you know, in my eyes, it, it, it was just one of those weeks, not too much to be worried about. Uh, I mean, like I said, it, it wasn't like we were just doing anything egregious. I mean, we know it's not normal for, for Justin Jefferson to only get four targets in the game. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, hanging my hat on it too much. Uh, but, you know, of course, you, you, you want to win them all. So, did want to mention the receivers for the Cowboys. Uh, Amari Cooper went eight for 122 with one touchdown, and CeeDee Lamb went six for 112. It seemed like Harrison Smith tried to choke uh, CeeDee Lamb out on one of them passes. I peeped that. I peeped that. And CeeDee was kind of – because it was a big catch because it was whenever the receiver threw it to him. And you could tell, like, you wanted to be excited. He was like, hey, this brother trying to choke me out over here. So, <laughs> definitely keep an eye on Harrison Smith. <laughs> hey, we're going to keep moving here. I think we are both – okay, I think all three of us are predicting the Giants versus the Chiefs and the Chiefs get the win tonight. Is anybody disagreeing? Man, look, man, I was about to say, the way them Chiefs look at that, yeah. I, I can't even – Hold up, hold up. So, y'all think that the Giants going to get the win tonight? Look, I don't want to say they're going – my man, go ahead, Rashawn. I ain't going to All I got to say with that, if the Giants can find a way – to have some type of run game to where Matt, I mean, um, Daniel Jones is not your leading rusher. And Mahomes is the, what Mahomes has going on right now is he's, he's a playmaker, but it's almost like he's trying to make too many plays. Like, I feel like some of the stuff that he does is I already thought that was out of technique, lucky. People just ain't seen it, so it, it just looks crazy. But now it's almost like, all right, we know what you can do, and we know you do it. No, you are, you know, known for doing crazy stuff. And with the Giants, I just feel like, you know, their offense is really not that bad. Like I said, they're missing a run game. And then defensively, I feel like they have a, a solid secondary. Their front seven might be a little bit of an issue. But I don't think that – don't count the Giants up. I just think, you know, now if Mahomes come out on – Mahomes stuff, then yeah, they're about to blow the Giants out of the water. But other than that, I, I I'm going with the Giants tonight. I'm going for the underdog. Yeah, see, I I, I don't want to say the Giants are gonna win it, but I'm just to the point where it's like the, the Chiefs. I mean, Rayshon and I were kind of talking about it before. You know, we we got on with you, man. It's just the Chiefs. They ain't got that same aura around them where it's like, yeah, I just feel like they don't put fear in people anymore. Yeah, um, that's a good yeah. One. So. And, and, you know, I agree with Rayshon where the, where the Giants got a good secondary. They got, you know, good veteran leadership back there with, with Logan Ryan and Jabril Preppers and, and Bradbury out wide, um, you know, locking people down. And and like you said, they, they got the weapons on, on offense on the outside with, you know, Sterling Shepard and, and, and Slayton and guys like that. Um, 
but you just got to have, you know, a, a better run game. And, and more specifically, like you said, one that doesn't involve Daniel Jones, your quarterback, being your, your leading rusher, um, especially when he's just coming off an injury, you know, like we yeah. saw the, the Cowboys a couple weeks back, a bad injury like that. Um, so I don't want to say that, that the Giants are going to win, but like I said, I don't don't count them out. They, the Chiefs ain't just going to walk through them. I'm already here first, man. I'm going for the Giants. All right. So after the game, I'll probably make a clipping of this post, and I hope you're right, Rayshawn. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going Chiefs in this ball game. But since we're talking about the Giants, talk about one of their former receivers, well, it seems like it was a long time ago. Goodness gracious, Odell Beckham Jr. We see the Steelers beat the Browns, but that's neither here nor there. Do y'all think that Odell Beckham Jr. and I, either one of y'all can answer this or both? Do y'all think that the uh, Cleveland Browns need to trade Od OBJ? Because I hate to see. It seems like his prime is kind of being wasted right now, in my opinion. But do y'all think they're going to trade him? Y'all think they're going to hold on to him? Um, oh, uh, I was about to say I know both of us definitely got opinions on this, but um. Uh, I mean, so you you asking uh should they trade him? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Should they trade him? Because okay, should actually, Thomas, him? should they? And then Rayshawn, would they? Okay, all right. On my end, I'm gonna say yeah, they should trade him, and I feel like it, it it'll be. I feel like trading him would would, would take pressure off of, off of Baker and just the organization as a whole. Because um, when you got a, a, a guy like that in Odell where people look at him as, as arguably, arguably the best, you know, one of the best receivers in the NFL um, since he came in, as long as he's on the field, guys are going to want to see him getting the ball. Yeah. Um, no matter, you know, and, and, you know, we know Odell is dealing with injuries and stuff like that. But like I said, as, as fans, they don't, you know, take that into consideration. They just see 13 on the field, so 13 needs to be getting the ball. Yep. And I kind of feel like as an OC, as a quarterback, that can kind of take your focus away, um, you know, from, from other players on the offense or or maybe you might try and make, you know, a little too much of the game plan revolve around him, uh, you know, getting him involved in the game. So I feel like trading him would be best for both sides because it would give Odell, you know, a, a clean start um, on another team. And like I said, the Browns wouldn't just be so hell-bent on, okay, we got to get Odell the ball this week. We got to, you know, get him this amount of targets, get him to do this, do that, you know, so we can get our money's worth. So, should they? Yeah, I think they should. Yeah, and I ain't going to lie to you before Sean goes. It's like every single week I see that he doesn't have a big game, and I like this thing. I actually, you know, pretty decent at the football or something. I'd be like, come on, like, OBJ, where, where the team catches mm -hmm. for 100 yards? So, I know the average fan, you know, the kid that used to wear the Mohawk is like, OBJ, yep. like, we haven't seen the catch again. But, uh, Ray Sean, so to my second point, do you think they, because Thomas says they should, do you think they will? Yeah, I definitely think they will because let's break it down for a second. We're talking about, like you said, that guy. If we had guys walking around here with Bohans, right now, Odell only has 17 catches in five games, two catches a game, two, maybe three catches a game. This is coming from that guy we're talking yeah. about, man. We're talking yeah. about that guy. And Cleveland's had a lot more success without Odell and with Odell. Because, like you said, it goes back to, all right, Odell, you know, playing. We don't – our offense is not around our receivers, but let's try to get Odell the ball so we can keep Odell happy. You shouldn't have to do that to win ball games for your team. Yeah. If your team is is working good, they have a great – I think they have, you know, the top, you know, rushing game in the league, and 
you know, they they throw the ball a lot more than they they feel it's almost like they more invested in Jarvis than yep. they are with sure. Odell. It's almost like Odell is just there to bring in tickets in. Yeah. Yeah. Just and, to, just to say we got a good offering. Because and, and like you said, I can see I think they will because trading Odell and getting the right things for Odell, one takes pressure off the OC, takes pressure off guys that's in that receiver room because we've all known Odell's history. He's a hothead. He doesn't mm-hmm. get what he wants. That's it. He shuts down. He shuts everybody out and he shuts down. You get a guy, you get somebody, get that that poison off a team. If anything, I feel like that offense might get lifted up when Odell if Odell gets traded. Yeah, and 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 uh, I about to say before you go, Matt, the bounce off Ray Sean's point. I mean, receivers are receivers are expendable. That's an expendable position in the NFL to where, okay, we know Odell is that guy. You know, let's say last week Odell come comes out. You know, ten catches, hundred yards, like Ray Sean said. Odell could get hurt. And receiver is one of those positions where you could pick a guy off the practice squad and, you know, he could mess around and have one of those types of weeks. Just a guy we don't know could come in. Yeah, yeah, he could come in and ball. So I feel like um, that's even more reason why they'll probably end up letting him go is because for what Odell is giving them right now and what they're paying them, they can probably look and say, we can pull a guy off our practice squad and he can give us two catches a game. Whereas we got a guy in Odell Beckham, one of the best receivers, getting two catches a game. And, you know, it's it's those two cases aren't helping us. Yeah, you know it's just two cases like Rashawn said to keep them happy. Oh, and, and one more thing, man. With with Odell, when it comes time to pay Odell money, Odell is gonna want to get paid what he thinks he should be paid, not what yeah, he actually put out on the field. Actually putting out on the field, and like Thomas said, you can get somebody. I can I can probably name a couple guys on our team right now. And better that you can put out there, he'll give you three catches. Me. Yeah. Destinations here, real quickly, that y'all could potentially see them going to, and uh, that they you think they willingly would trade them to. We'll take them in Pittsburgh, but you know they're, they're not going to trade with somebody out of the division. You know that's not going to happen. Um, but, um, I was about to say I've, I've been trying to think of any uh, like teams that have been rumored this year. Um, oh, I, I know a team. Uh, I think a team that I saw getting, you know, some rumors thrown around with the 49ers. I know that would definitely be – well, see, that's the thing, Matt. <laughs> with us, when, when Odell was on the trade block for the Giants, we were saying, okay, if he goes to Cleveland, that's going to put them over the top. I'm getting ready to say the same thing about the 49ers, but, I mean, hey. 49ers doing – I think they're, they're, they're receiver core is good, but it's not deep. It's yeah. good for the skin that they run. Like, you see Debo's having a big season. Yeah. It's it yeah. good for the skin they run. But with Odell, when you when the team's picking up Odell, you just got to think. We're talking about a guy that we have to at least – he has to be our primary guy we get the ball or at least our secondary. And I'm trying to think, you know, all the teams that, you know, need a primary or a secondary guy like Odell. And yeah. it's really not too many teams. Because when you bring somebody like Odell in, that, that means your whole flow, your offense is switching up. Yeah. Like you got to switch all of that up. And some teams right now, they're moving the group in their offense. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. My bad, man. They cut you off, but yeah, I'm about to say that's that's a, a great point. Um, but yeah, um, I yeah, I'm about to say I just lost my whole train of thought. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the foul. Yeah, I'm about to say that would be a, yeah, a great team right there. The foul with Denver and uh, Ribby. Could you imagine Odell Beckham Jr. in Atlanta? That would be crazy. Oh, oh, look, man, look. I I, I remember the, what I was about to say. You know, not not to make this Odell subject run too long, but. Just the way that the, the game is changing now, the way the offenses are changing, I feel like Odell would be better suited if they were to put him in the slot. Um, and that's really on any team he goes to. And and that just, you know, the only reason I thought about that is because, like Sean said, it seems like the Browns are kind of – it seems like when they're rolling, Jarvis is like their main guy. And we yeah. know that's, you know, Jarvis's main spot. He operates out the slot. But like I said, on any team, I feel like Odell playing in the slot would be better just because – um, we don't tend to see a lot of uh, corners that shadow follow guys when they go into the slot. Um, you have them matched up on more linebackers and safeties and stuff like that. And just being in the slot, you got more room to operate, just you know, field room in general. I think that that can open up his bag. I, I yeah. don't see Odell is really that primary outside receiver anymore, yep. especially dealing with injuries and stuff. With, with in the slot, that's less like if somebody put their hands on you, that's more likely you're going to be able to put. A linebacker, you're gonna put get a linebacker on Odell. You and if Odell is out here getting strapped by linebacker, yeah. you shouldn't even have a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah man. Like Thomas said, with Jarvis, you know, when the Browns are looking to pass the ball, they're throwing it out of the slot. So it's yeah. really no point of really having Odell out there because he's getting the same amount of catches as guys like um Shaw Higgins, yeah, Donald yeah, Jones. Third and the same amount of catches as them, but he's getting paid as if he's getting ten. 12 catches a game. No, I agree. And I think the trade the trade deadline is that next Tuesday? Uh, next week, yeah. Oh, next week? week? I'm not mistaken. Next Tuesday or the, the week after that? Yeah, because I remember there were a lot of people talking about because of the Deshaun Watson thing because it's like, that's got to go ahead and get done here. I know it's on a Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. So, I guess it's next week. But it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with that. Y'all know when Odell Beckham conversation comes up, usually – I like listening to Nick Wright talk about a lot on First Things First on FS1. I used to love him and him and Chris Carter were on there at the same time, but Chris Carter went and did something else. Actually, he's got a podcast. Y'all make sure y'all listen to that if y'all listen to this. And But all right, last two things, guys, and we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. We're going to go to Thomas for this, Adrian. You saw Adrian Peterson going to the Titans? Yeah, I saw they worked him out, so they, they're signing. I... Oh, they're signing are they? I got a I got a notification earlier today that they they are signing. I wonder Adrian Peterson just been doing this so long that it's like yeah. are they are they using him as a backup guy? Are they coming in to play him right away and give like what's the move there? But Thomas, do you like the signing nonetheless? Um, it's I don't know I don't know about that one. I mean, like you say for for offense that was. Predicated on Derrick Henry running the ball 25, 30 times a game, Adrian Peterson is, is not the guy for that. Right? <laughs> 34, 35-year-old, you know, running back. Um, I mean, usually running backs got the, the shortest career spans in the league just because of the uh, how much of a beating they take. So I feel like with picking up AP, I mean, not only is, is his work on the field going to be questionable, but his durability, like, you might sign AP this week and, you know, it, it'll be like a Richard Sermon situation. Um, you know, he's gonna be saying he rushed his body back too quick or something like that. He'll yeah. be there next week. So I don't know. That to me, that's kind of a weird risk. Um, I mean, I understand you gotta sign a running back, but 
I feel like with, with the the load they put on their running backs in Tennessee, you kind of want to get maybe a, a younger guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Hey, and reading the report, it says that uh, he'll initially go to the practice squad. So kind of how you're saying, give him some time, like get ready to go. Uh, with the expectation he will be added to the active roster. But last thing I want to mention is I think a lot of us saw the Saints game. We saw after the game, Jameis Winston was dancing in the locker room after he was injured during the game. He apparently has a torn ACL. What, Rayshon, what do you think that means for the New Orleans Saints organization? It really means, you know, or going back to relying on their defense and, and trying to get Kamara the ball. I, I feel like this year, you know, they haven't been really giving Kamara the ball like they're supposed to. You got to go back to that. You got to uh, – I think I saw a stat today, you know, they were saying with, with um the coach for the Saints. Payton, Sean Payton. He, he has a great record with, you know, not having his starting quarterback and being able to pull out those dubs. But going out for the rest of the season, like I said, you gotta, you gotta use Kamara. The defense, you know, has to maintain what they're doing if you're gonna win out and you know find another quarterback to replace Jameis. You just people say you know throw Taysom Hill, but I don't see Taysom Hill a four quarter quarterback. No, yeah, at all. So, so with good coaching and like I said, you get Kamara the ball. I don't think it should be that much of a drop off without you know Jameis. But if you don't get Kamara the ball, then it's going to be looking ugly. It looks like your defense going to be having to put up points. Y'all going to be in a lot of games. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with Rayshon. Um, it, it kind of can go, uh, either way, like you were saying. Um, with, with, you know, that's that's crazy. We were just having that conversation. Me and Rayshon were about how, um, in the NFL, guys, when it comes to that film study and preparation for games, how detailed they are, and and just looking at you know, little mannerisms guys do and, and just their tendencies and stuff like that. So I was telling them that, in a sense, when when a, a team loses their starting quarterback, essentially that, in some cases, can make it harder for the opposing team because, you know, all week they, you know, in a week where you would be sitting there preparing for Jameis, okay, we got, you know, Jameis has been in the league since, what, 2014? You got film from 2014 that you can go back and look at all his tendencies and, okay, what does he do on third and short, third and long? Who does he like to throw to in these situations? Um, and then when you just get a, a, a backup thrown in there at the last second, all you got is, you know, a couple of days to prepare for him. That yep. can kind of throw you off when they, when, you know, like I said, when they're that serious about the preparation in the, in the league. So, um, yeah, it's, it could go either way, but I mean, it's, it's not often we see teams with, with backup quarterbacks get a lot of, a lot of long, I want to say long-term success, but I mean, like, you know, long-term as far as the season goes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Saints came out and, and won, like, their next two or three games. And just saw, like I said, guys not having much film of, uh, of the backup, who I think is, is Trevor Simeon. Yep, Trevor um, Simeon. Trevor Simeon. Yeah, yeah. He went 16 for 29 for 159 yards and a touchdown and helped them pull off a win. You know, they they beat the town, uh, they beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Final score of 36-27. Also thought it was crazy that the Saints went back and signed Mark Ingram. So, you know, he was gone for a long period. Well, not even for a long period of time. He was gone, though, because, yeah, he was with the Ravens. I think he started this year. Did he start this year in Houston? Yep. Yeah. He, yeah. He, that, that Houston, you know, that Houston State, they, they got a lot that of was, Yeah, that was crazy. David yeah. Johnson, Philip Lindsay. Rex Burkhead, and then they still had Mark Ingram. Oh, they were like four running backs. Yeah. But I think they really only got Mark Ingram. I feel they just got Mark Ingram. 
locker room purposes yeah. or team morale purposes, keeping the team up. Because we see where Ingram has a good history of that. So, like, one thing like, that go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. What are you saying? Like what Thomas said, I'm agreeing with what he said. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out, you know, the next couple weeks, two or three wins because of, you know, the film reasons. But, you know, other than that, you don't change what you're doing on mm-hmm. offense now. It's not going to look good for you. You got to make a playoff run. Yeah, and it, and it, but it that I feel like that Mark Ingram pickup. I mean, obviously at the time they didn't know James was about to get hurt, but it just kind of worked out for him time because you know, like Rashawn said, a lot of that offensive load is definitely about to get put back on Kamara's shoulder. So it's good to have a, a solid backup that you trust behind him who's been in that system before. So things could turn out well for him. Things could still turn out well for him. Um, but yeah, it, it it'll be tough. With it's, it's tough anytime you got a backup. So. Whenever y'all afraid, especially James Winston, you know, the gunslinger. But whenever y'all – and the, the, him dancing in the locker room, that's so James Winston with the crutches and all. But whenever y'all were mentioning that crowded backfield in Houston, it reminded me of – because Shannon Sharp talked about this on Club Shay Shay when he had Alvin Kamara on, about how crowded that backfield was at Alabama whenever – Alvin Kamara was there because he said, you know, he won the state championship game. He was one of the best players. Well, he was the best player in his on his team, probably one of the best players in the state. And then he goes to Alabama and he's like, and a lot of these guys are the best player at their state. So that's kind of mm-hmm. what it reminded me of. Y'all mentioned the next couple games for the Saints. They got the Falcons, then they got the Titans, and then they got the Eagles. And before the 25th around Thanksgiving, where they had the Bills. So I think that's a manageable. You know, they can keep it rolling there. And then I feel like by the time they get to that Bills, they, yeah, that's wherever it's going to get real. Because, you know, yeah. the Bills with Jordan Boyer, yeah. Mika Hyde. Um, what's, what's the guy from LSU's name? I can't believe I'm thinking. Trey White. Trey White and uh, Levi Wallace is the opposite corner for yeah. Shout out, Levi. Yeah, they got some experience on that, on that, on that back end. Levi, the walk-on from Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. But, but he went to Bama. That's where I think everybody knows Levi Wallace from Alabama. But y'all – this has been a great episode. I, I literally knew this was going to happen, y'all, for a full disclosure. I didn't know if we are going to be able to get Thomas, you know, Thomas <laughs> game prepping this week, putting in his 10,000 hours. <laughs> but I knew I had hit Rayshon, and Rayshon told me to hit Thomas, and Thomas should be fine, too. So appreciate both of you all coming on. We will definitely have you all back here shortly. And if, if nothing else, right before Heisman ceremony. For sure, for sure. You know, you know, we love being on here with you. With you. Yeah, yeah, love chopping it up with you, Matt. Hey, appreciate y'all. Thomas, I think Thomas said it, losing sleep at night. That is going to be the, um, that's going to be the title of the episode. Y'all know I do the all caps. So it makes it seem like, oh, yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, it makes it seem like I'm yelling. I got it from the YouTubers. But uh, <laughs> that's all. I need to start saying this. Make sure y'all follow the Instagram account, Matt Sports House. There's two S's, Matt sports house follow the instagram account i kind of took the twitter account down it wasn't popping like it was supposed to so but uh follow me at twitter at uh at matt the chosen one thomas what's your twitter oh what's my twitter oh it's thomas three underscores an h and an eight four all right rayshawn what about you it's keep it real seven rayshawn underscore green just like that <laughs> <laughs> hey that was it just like that, <laughs> just like that. all right y'all boys hey Thanks for y'all coming on. I'm still debating on the outro music, but uh, thanks for listening. See y'all next week. Living on the songs, we just watch your forehead roll. Spend some nightmares, man.
Like I know the Senate. If it's that we suited up, we hop right out on bed.